Welcome to the Rhythm of Us podcast. We're your hosts, Chris and Jenny Gravy. This past year, we released a book we've been pouring our hearts and souls into for quite some time, and it's called The Rhythm of Us. And it's available now wherever you get your books. Throughout this season, we'll be exploring the five rhythms from our book, as well as sitting with and learning from wise leaders, mentors, and friends in our life about the intentional rhythms that can lead us closer to God and closer to each other. Well, welcome back, everybody. Happy 2022. Man, it's crazy. Well, we hope your new year is off to an amazing start filled with so many fun snow days and family days. We know ours has been filled with that. (laughs) (laughs) It's part of the reason why it's taken us a little bit longer to hop on here. We've had so much fun playing in the snow with the kids. We've really enjoyed it, but man, we are so happy to be back and have them all in school today. (laughs) So here we are with another episode. Yes, so grateful to be back with you all. So something fun coming up we're excited to share with you. We hope you'll grab a book, grab a copy of The Rhythm of Us, grab your spouse and some friends and join us for a podcast series that will start the first week of February. We'll be unpacking the five rhythms of thriving marriages from our book. It will just be a great way to dive deeper into these habits and put them into practice in our marriages. So we hope you'll join us for that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. But today, we are thrilled to welcome our friend and best-selling author, Cindy Beal, to the show. Cindy and her husband, Chris, have one of the most incredible redemption stories of how God really rescued their marriage and used what the enemy meant for evil, for good, and to honor God and to bring them out on the other side stronger. You know, Cindy really opens up and she shares about her husband Chris's infidelity and his pornography addiction that nearly destroyed their marriage and their ministry back in 2002. And at the very end, he said, Cindy, no one would blame you if you walked away. What you've been through is really difficult. And he said, but you are not a fool to stay and be a part of the redemptive work in a man's life. Those are the exact words that he said to me. And they have been indelibly written on my brain. And so that has been a source of hope for me and comfort as I've been on this journey because that was a beautiful picture for me to be able to jump into the marriage and go, okay, I'm trusting that I'm actually part of the healing process for my husband. Jenny and I had the tremendous blessing of working with the Beals for many years on the team at Life Church, and we're so inspired by the incredible couple that they are and the amazing story that they have and how God has worked in their lives. So uh, we can't wait for you to hear this today. Buckle up. It's a good one. Here's Cindy. All right. Well, Cindy, welcome to The Rhythm of Us. We're so glad you're here. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I'm so happy to see your faces. I know, I don't know if everybody knows that we're seeing each other, so it's super fun. Yay. I know. We've been looking forward to this so much. It's been a minute since we've seen each other, so really excited to reconnect with you and so excited about this re-release that you've just done of Healing Your Marriage when trust is broken. Um, We were talking before we got on, just your story and Chris's story is just one of our absolute favorite redemption stories. You know, I think um, just for those of you listening, we worked together with Chris and Cindy at Life Church uh, back in the day when we were all little babies. And your story was really the first one I had ever heard end that way, where God actually healed the marriage and the person who was betrayed stuck around for that healing. So we're just so grateful that you guys have shared your story. I mean, that just takes a lot of courage and vulnerability, but I know that God has used it so much. So we're so grateful to have you on 
to share that story. So, yeah, there's a lot of cliffhangers there that she kind of little nuggets. <laughs> everyone's like, what was, what is this story? <laughs> so with that being said, Cindy, what is your story? Yeah. Please what is us. my story? I would love to. Um, yeah. So I've, I've just, I have such fond memories of you guys and I loved our time serving together, but thinking about what you heard when you came onto the team about, you know, our story. So my husband and I came to Life Church. Um, 2001 is when he interviewed, and then he came on the team in January of 2002. Uh, we were a small startup church back then, like two campuses, so real small. Wow. And six weeks on the job, he was hired as a worship leader for our Edmond location, which was the East Campus back in the day. And he was hired as a worship leader, uh, the worship pastor. And so six weeks on the job, he came home one morning. It was February the 19th. 2002. And he walked in the door and he said, we have to talk. And no, no spouse usually wants to hear that. Um, there's usually something coming that's, that's going to be hardy. So he proceeded to tell me that he'd been unfaithful to me. And it, over the course of about a two and a half year time in our marriage, um, he was unfaithful, lots of different scenarios, different women, different places, um, you know, one might think, oh, was it an office romance? Was it an inappropriate friendship? It wasn't any of that. It was all stemming from an addiction. To the, he had to pornography. And so you guys know the cycle of sin. You give into sin. And if you don't do something to find, you know, some healing and growth there, it'll just start spiraling. And that's what happened for him. And, you know, his pornography addiction started when he was eight, back when there was just magazines. And then as the internet came, which the internet is a gift in many ways, but it's also, it was a curse when it came to pornography. So that was what I heard that morning. And you can imagine, like, I'm, I'm there, we're brand new in this town and don't really know a lot of people, just some staff. And I'm unpacking boxes. My oldest was just three, almost three years old. And, you know, I just went from this happy, excited to be in a new town woman to this damaged, full of despair and just hurting woman in that, in just a matter of seconds. So that was my morning on Tuesday, February the 19th, 2002. How long were you guys married up to this point? Nine years. So we had had uh -huh. nine years of marriage. And so it wasn't all bad. You know, there were, there were lots right. of good years, but the two and a half years leading up to his confession was when it was really, when everything kind of like spiraled out of control for him. And a lot of people ask me, did you know, like, did you have a feeling? I had no feeling. <laughs> I did not know, but I did know something was wrong. I just didn't know what it was. And so we had seasons, days, months where it was hard to connect, but um, I did not know it was what it was. Yeah. I mean, how, how can you, you know, you're my, my guess is in your twenties yep. around that time, you know, going like, all right, I've never done this marriage thing before. I'm <laughs> yeah. just like, maybe you just have hard spells and seasons and, yeah. and you do for all, various reasons. And I, I have a really close friend who his story is very similar to yours. He made some horrible decisions, infidelity and all of that. And they have found reconciliation and God has done a massive move and healing in their heart and marriage, which is just always so cool to see in here because you and I both know that that isn't always the case. Right. And so I just said, Hey, what, what question would you like for me to ask Cindy? And it was, you kind of just posed it here a little bit. He said, maybe just what were some of the red flags she noticed in her husband's life 
or how she could have stopped or helped stop this before he went down this path? Was there even something that could have been stopped? And so, um, yeah, if you could, because there's obviously we have couples listening right now and maybe they're seeing some red flags and maybe it's not as quote unquote serious or whatever, but porn is a big deal. Some of the things you walk through. So just maybe if you can lay some groundwork there, what, what your thought process was as you yeah. look back now when it comes to the red flag side of things. Man, I like that. I like that he asked that. Um, so there were red flags. I'd like to say that I was strong enough to confront my husband, but at the end of the day, I was not in that season of my life. You know, this was 20 years ago. And I kind of just assumed that what he was telling me was truthful. You know, when I would call his cell phone and it would go to voicemail and he would tell me later, oh, I was on a ministry appointment. Um, you know, that didn't happen every day or every week. But Chris's um, struggle was kind of cyclical, like he would fall and then he would repent to God and he would be like, I'm going to be better. And then he would, you know, for weeks. And so it was just a, kind of this cycle. But had I challenged him more, had I confronted him and not enabled him? And and so that's probably, do I think things could have been different? Maybe, maybe. But I also know that it's not my fault that he did it. So I don't take responsibility for his actions. But, um, you know, this was part of my healing, you know, when Chris and I were beginning the healing journey of healing from all of this, we came to realize that it was less about healing from these events or this one event or confessions or um, different events that led to his confession. It was more about what was the culture of our marriage? And it was not healthy. It was uh, somewhat toxic. Chris will be the first to admit that he was manipulative. He gaslighted that term that where you turn it around and you take off the focus on yourself. So like we would have fights and I would, I would actually, on the moments I felt brave and I would say something to him, it would turn around and I'm apologizing. So those are the things that I wish I had. I wish I was as strong then as I am now, but I also know that this journey has made me stronger. So it's it's kind of hard, but I would say don't ignore the red flags just because you're afraid of a hard conversation. And I think I was afraid that he would just steamroll me and I should have just been firmer. I just should have, yeah. I should have been stronger, but you know, I don't know if that's the great yeah. answer, but that's just kind of where No, I'm that's going. good. That's good advice. Were you guys in ministry for those first nine years? We were. Yeah. Yeah. Youth. For the first 10 years of our ministry, we did worship and youth. Um, okay. Most people start out as youth pastors. So. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a, an important piece of this story for people listening. Like you guys were in ministry while all of this was going on and the struggle was just growing with Chris. And I love one of the quotes I read to Chris from your book last night was that you said, you know, when you guys got married, you were so in love with Jesus and so in love with each other. You just thought we're going to conquer the world. What could go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> What could go wrong? I mean, in the words of Captain and Tennille, love will keep us together, right? Right. I only think that's older, how only yeah. your older listeners are going to know that reference of that song. I love it. But I think that's how a lot of couples start off. You know, it certainly was true for us as well. We're like, we love Jesus. We love each other. This is going to be a piece of cake. What, you know, easy, what could possibly easy. go wrong? This is going to be amazing. 
But inevitably, we all encounter struggles along the way because life is not perfect. So let's pick up where you left off. So Chris comes in. He's honest with you. He's completely laid it all out there and he's repentant. He's just ready for God to start the healing. What did you do? Did you stay? Did you go? What was your reaction? He was completely repentant in that moment. So it was a it was a interesting thing to to see and experience because I was hurt and mad and then I was drawn. I'm compassionate for his, you know, what he's caused. And so it took some time. You guys know obviously Jerry and Craig and Kevin are leaders at church. And so Jerry came over, he was the first phone call Chris made. And then within a minute, Craig was over. So we're, we're just sitting across from each other. Chris and I are on our couch. They pulled up two chairs. We don't even have a table and chairs yet. So they're just pulling up chairs and we're just staring. Like we don't, nothing is said. Like what do Jerry and Craig say? Like this is their new worship leader. Chris was the actual first outside hire at life church. So like, they're probably like, why do we do this? Why do we hire this guy? Cause it was risky. Right. So they were just with us. And then once they left and we just kind of started processing. And of course, Chris is desperate for us, for me to stay. He wants our marriage to work. And he, you know, he said, he said to me, "I, I know you'll probably never trust me again, but if you'll allow me, I'll spend the rest of my life trying to earn it back. And then I I began this journey of like, I got to figure this out. Do I stay? Do I go? Do I stay? Do I go? And Kevin Penry came over and he took our computer as that was part of our, um, the healing for Chris is to not have a computer in the home. And he said, Cindy, you don't have to decide the rest of your life today. And that has been Mm -hmm. um, such profound advice just in general in my life. And I've actually shared it with so many other people. So it took about three weeks for me to really decide, okay, I'm going to do this because when it all came down to it, if I stayed, I had to figure out how to stay with a man that I did not trust. And God kept saying, yeah, but do you trust me? And I'm like, Oh, if I answer this, I think you want me to stay. And so I wrestled with God, which really wrestling with God's kind of funny because really he's not wrestling. He's just like, okay, finish. (laughs) finish your, your, your match on the floor. And so I finally just said, okay, God, I trust you. And that was the beginning of a really beautifully hard journey of healing individually so that our marriage could heal. And that one day mm-hmm. I could learn to trust him again and trust the Holy Spirit's work in him. Um, because let's face it, I may not, not always in, trust someone's actions, I can usually trust intentions. My husband doesn't intend to hurt me. Just like you guys don't intend to hurt each other. doesn't mean you don't sometimes still do, but it's not an intention. Mm -hmm. So that was a real growing process for me to understand that just because something he said or did in the future might hurt me, that I shouldn't judge the motive of his heart until I have a conversation. Yeah. I love that. And I remember one of my favorite parts of this story that you shared when we heard it back in the day, um, when you went to Texas to stay with your parents and get a little time away, there was somebody there. There was a pastor who played a really important role to spark some hope in you. Can you share a little bit about that piece of the story and what it was that he said to you that sparked hope? Yeah. So it was about two weeks, two weeks after his confession. And I was like, I've just got to get out of here. And so I went down to Texas to see my mom 
And um, while I was there, she was like, I made an appointment with Brother Dan. And I was like, Oh, thanks, no, Mom. <laughs> you did not. No, you did not make me an appointment to see your pastor. But, you know, I was emotional and weak. And she was like, You're going. And I was like, Fine. So I actually went, and he's a delightful man. He's and just loves the Lord and is a great shepherd. And so we're just talking. And I ended up just obviously probably blubbering for about 45 minutes to him. And at the very end, he said, Cindy, no one would blame you if you walked away. What you've been through is really difficult. And he said, but you are not a fool to stay and be a part of the redemptive work in a man's life. Those are the exact words verbatim that he said to me. And they have been indelibly written on my brain. And so that has been a source of hope for me and comfort as I've been on this journey, because it's just a reminder that we're all here you know, to work in God's kingdom and to, to be his light in the world. So yes, I think God wants me to have plans and dreams and have some fulfillment there, but like, ultimately this is about him. This is his world. And so that was a beautiful picture for me to be able to jump into the marriage and go, okay, I'm trusting that I'm actually part of the healing process for my husband. Uh, so yeah, that was a very monumental part of our, uh, at least for me, to, to take the step into staying married. Hey guys, thanks again for listening. We'll get back to the show in a minute. But real quick, just remember to mind you to order a copy, or two or three, of my parents' new book, The Rhythm of Us, from your favorite retailer. All right, let's get back to the show. What would you say to somebody who's just in this right now? Maybe they've just found out about this, you know, surprise, this mistrust, whatever it is, they've fallen into a place of brokenness. Um, just speak to the person who's been betrayed, um, maybe about that idea of not being a fool to stay. Yeah. Well, uh, first thing I would say is you don't have to s decide the rest of your life today. Yes. Um, and then I would just say, um, you know, what the world sees as foolish, you know, makes complete sense in the kingdom of God. You've heard of God's kingdom being referred to as the upside down kingdom. I mean, it just, it, to turn the other cheek, to do the things that Jesus did and to, to love our enemies, like those just don't make sense in our society. And so mm -hmm. I would say the same happens whenever, whether it's a marriage relationship or any other relationship, when there's betrayal, the whole point of of staying and be a part of that redemptive work. Um, I did feel foolish in some people's eyes, but I didn't feel foolish in God's eyes because that's what he was calling me to do. So I would just say every situation is a little bit different. And as you mentioned mm -hmm. at the beginning, um, not every marriage ends up this way. And, and that's, um, that's hard, you know? Um, but I always tell people it's for the people that I've had to walk through journeys with who maybe their marriage wasn't going to survive. I'm like, God cares about a healed you regardless if your marriage is salvaged or not in this situation. So um, I would just say, don't decide everything in one day. Don't act on your emotions. Give it some time and then really watch for the fruit. You know, my husband was repentant in 2002 and he is still repentant in 2021. It is remarkable to see that not once in all these years has he ever gotten defensive. Not once. He has lived with the posture of, I'm just thankful I have a marriage uh, to my best friend. So um, I'm very blessed with that. And it 
but it was hard. It was a long journey and we worked, we've worked really hard and trusted God a whole lot. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. No, I mean, it's been neat to, obviously I got to spend some time with Chris in a lot of arenas and ways and, you know, very personal and he's such a great guy and, and I just can hear it in his heart and his voice too, how thankful he is for you and the marriage and the healing that God did there. So, you know, when you write a book like this, um, wow, there's a lot that comes with it. And I imagine you found yourself standing across from or speaking to or on a text thread or a Zoom call with a lot of people who are going, you know, and not that you probably were are surprised by it, but maybe you, maybe you have been. What are some takeaways and things that you've learned or have surprised you as you found yourself standing across from couples they're at this crossroad that you walk through and, you know, as you've, I'm sure, heard and seen and been encountered by numerous couples throughout the year since this book released 10 plus years ago. Yeah, it's been interesting because, um, and I don't know what this says about me, maybe I'm just getting older, but like there are people that have come up to Chris or to me or together and said, oh, thank you guys so much for how you invested in our marriage. And I'm like, Oh, you bet. Did you read the book? And they're like, no, we met two years ago. Remember? I'm like, no, but I don't say that because I feel bad, but I'm like, <laughs> so part of that is that there have been more couples that I can remember that we've actually spent time with, um, which some people might say, wow, that's really sad that there's so many couples out there, but, you know, I always try to shift it and like, look, it's just another opportunity for God to give hope to couples that just because they've been through the really cruddy stuff doesn't mean that they have to throw in the towel and call it, uh, make it end. And so, but yeah, so that's been interesting to see just how many couples are struggling. And that's the whole point of the book was, you know, I can probably count on less than less than 10 fingers that how many times I really feel like God has been like, you're doing this. And this was one of those things. I felt like he was like, you're going to write a book. So that to me was a way to offer hope to people because when I was looking for books in 2002, it was hard to find them. They just weren't out there and nobody wants to go to a bookstore and hold up a book, you know, like I'm really glad my, the cover is different because it's not red and blue anymore. Like you go to a bookstore and it's like, Oh, wow. That's a, that title right there. What's going on in her life or what's going on in his life? So glad it's a little more subtle for the reader. But yeah. Yeah, even Amazon is now a completely different animal than it was 10 years ago. You can go, okay, I'm gonna go buy that online. Yeah. I'm gonna go get that and uh ship it on. So let's for everybody listening, I mean, I obviously they've they've heard there's been redemption that you guys are in a good place now. I mean, you're 20 plus years later. Um, but just so everybody understands, I mean, like let's kind of go back. You you hear this pastor, you make a decision in three weeks. What was the response of the church? Because here's the deal. Like he was the first outside hire. And then people are like, wait, you're still working at Life Church. What happened there? What was the community that surrounded you? What was that entire process to a place of peace and healing? I'm so glad you asked. Um, that's part of the story that still causes me to get emotional um, because I'm just so proud of how Pastor Craig and our leaders responded um, you know, you guys are not surprised when you see churches kind of shoot their wounded or kick people to the curbs. Sadly, it's not maybe not just churches, but Christians in general. It's hard. It's hard to see that Craig did not do that. And he was hurt and he was wounded and he felt betrayed, obviously. Um, 
but he was like, we will be a hospital where they can heal. And so Chris resigned, as you can imagine. Um, once I had said, yes, I'm staying, he was just so thankful that we were going to be together. He thought we'll never be in ministry again. And I am perfectly fine with that. We will get, we'll just work and we'll go to church and we'll serve in our church and we'll love Jesus. And it'll be great. You know, we stayed coming to church. Like Chris confessed on a Tuesday, Craig preached about it on a Sunday, just to our campus, which was only, you know, there were only two. So it was just ours. And he was very discreet. You know, he said there was a moral failure, but there wasn't a ton of details. And so that moral failure. And then the next Sunday we came to church, we walked in the doors crying our eyes out and, and Craig came in. That was back in the day when Craig would travel between the two, like he on second street, you know, he's zooming down the road to make it to the next one. And he came in and he said, last week was a hard week. I preached about Chris and Cindy. Well, they're here today. And the whole church just stood up and clapped. And that was um, pretty profound um, for us when I think about what the church did. So we came back every week, week in and week out. We served in Life Kids. I actually came on the team as a staff member for about two years in the finance department. So just kind of, you know, making a difference and making a little money as well. So because uh, obviously him resigning took a hit for us financially. Sure. So um, he went and sold two by fours after that, which was a great <laughs> thing for him to do. It was really good for his healing journey. But um, yeah, so then I guess it was 18 months after his confession, Craig was like, I don't think God's done. Our mentors, Jim and Beth Kuykendall were like, God's not done. And so he just kind of, he joined the team again, kind of gradually for about nine to 10 months, just kind of served in different areas and then that was 18 years ago that he came back on the team. So I'm very proud of our church. Um, I love Pastor Craig and Amy um, and our leaders. I don't. I would not be married without, I don't think I would still be married without Pastor Craig and Amy and how they responded. I just don't. And so every time our anniversary rolls around of the confession, I send a text, hey, or maybe it's our wedding anniversary. That's what I do. I'm like, hey, today we've been married 27 years wouldn't have been possible without you. So that's so awesome. I love that part of the story. And I just want people to listen to hear what you're saying about the power of community. I mean, how big was that for you guys? Because I know for me, just in seasons of stress, and if I'm going through anything, my gut reaction is to isolate. I'm just going to put my head down until I get stronger. But that's not actually how you get stronger. Mm. You have to let people in to what you're going through in order to get that strength. And that's something that you outlined so beautifully in your story. Talk about that a little bit, what that looked like for you guys personally, and how important is it for us to let people in to our struggles? I think the rapidness, is that a word? How fast <laughs> our healing was? I'm sorry. I'm the writer. I should know if that's a word or not. Um, <laughs> how fast our healing was is a direct result of our willingness to be vulnerable and let uh, God work through other people. Like everybody knew there were no secrets. And I don't know about you, but living in a world where there's no secrets about your life is a pretty freeing thing. It's um, humiliating as well, um, <laughs> humbling. Um, but man, we would go to our, we had joined a life group shortly after that. A lot of them were um, older couples. Uh, you know, we were in our early thirties at this point, late twenties. And so these couples were in their forties and fifties at the time. So I was just like seeking 
their wisdom and guidance and it was exactly what we needed and so whenever things were hard and i was crying i didn't have to explain to any of them they just knew and they'd stop life group and they'd pray over us and so i would just say our story you know we told the world clearly um not everybody has to but just don't go through hard times alone you were not meant to endure hardship without a community even if it's just three or four close people, you've got to have people who are bearing that burden with you. That's so good. Love it. Okay. Well, before we wrap up, we want to ask you one final question, then we'll figure out where everybody can stalk you online from there. <laughs> but um, first off, thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks for, first off, I mean, like obviously you're sharing here for an, an audience out there to see, but what's been great is how you and Chris served and blessed Jenny and I behind the scenes, you talk about, you know, the secret life when no one's looking, that's really what matters. And so you guys were such a gift and a blessing to us. And so we just can't thank you enough for, for all the time you, you poured into us and in the many, many encounters and years we had together. So, but with that being said, obviously now we've got this book coming out, the rhythm of us, we talk about five rhythms of a thriving marriage. And so what we'd love to ask is our final question is we're going to give you the five and then kind of ask you what's one you feel like you're kind of winning in and what's one that you're just working on or working towards becoming better at. So the five rhythms are this first one is speaking life. Second one is serving. The third one is slowing down, seeking adventure and staying in awe. I really love that. I love those rhythms. That's a, I'm going to totally be like taking that to Chris and go, let's talk about our rhythms. Um, <laughs> well, I will tell you our marriages is as healthy as it's ever been. I don't usually refer to our marriage as good or happy. It's just, we are healthy. We are thriving. We are growing. And so I can honestly say that I feel like we're pretty strong in a lot of those, but again, we've been married almost 29 years and we've been to hell and back, if I can say that on your podcast. And so we work really hard, but I will say we're really good at seeking adventure. Um, it's just one of them. I'm just going to choose. We love to have shared activity and, um, enjoy life together and we work out together and we have brunch together and we travel together and um, we clean the garage together and we watch Ted Lasso together. And, uh, you know, so we have a lot of things that, and we are more adventurous. Sometimes we hike when we're in Colorado. I mean, come on, you know, <laughs> but we, um, we, we definitely enjoy that. Um, I would say in this current season, we are like, I feel like we're, we're just going, going, going. So we probably need to work on the slowing down a smidge, um, mm-hmm. just where we are in this season. So, yeah. That's awesome. I love, yeah. it. Well, love it. Cool. And you know, in part of the season, now you got to slow down cause you got a grandkid, which is pretty amazing. <laughs> it's 100% perfection. You guys yeah. I cannot even tell you how much I love her. She's so fun. She's at the age where she grabs your face and she just brings it in. I just, I just let her grab me, whatever. Whatever she wants oh, to do. Oh, I love it. That's so awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cindy, for coming on today. Where can people find you, find the book, stock you online, all the stuff? Yeah, the best place to find the book, I'd say, is probably Amazon. You know, they just get it to you so fast. Um, but of course, on social media, I'm Cindy, just at Cindy Beal. And then I do have a website. It's sometimes it's temperamental, but you know, you can still check <laughs> it out. But 
probably the best thing is just um, going to Amazon and checking it out. Okay. Awesome. Thank Cindy, you. thank you again for sharing your story. Guys, go grab this book. Go look up Cindy. Go see Hyder or whatever. And if you're in the middle of something like this, uh, this is a book that God has inspired and walked and used Cindy and Chris. So please go pick it up. And uh, obviously reach out if you have questions. I'm sure they can find you in some of those social media handles or whatever. But again, Cindy, thank you for being an amazing example to us and our marriage and what you and Chris ha have been and are. It's been such a such a blessing for us through the years to watch and follow you guys and be a part of your life. It's just been great. So thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, until next time, my friend. <laughs> thank you, guys. I love you guys. I'm so happy to be on this podcast with you guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Rhythm of Us. You can find all the resources and links mentioned in today's episode over at our website, therhythmofus.com. We hope you'll check those out as well as our new book, The Rhythm of Us, which is available now wherever you get your books. Well, that's a wrap for today's episode. Thanks again for joining us, friends. Until next time.